Here's a fact that you and I can take to the bank. Every act of worship involves a sacrifice. Pastor Trent Griffith explains. Have you tried to offer to God sacrifices of good works, religion, church going? I've never killed anyone. I'm better than most. That's not the sacrifice God wants. You have to lift up your eyes. You have to behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world, is found in Jesus Christ. You have to physically turn your back and move toward Him. Take Him and offer Him to God, the one alone who can pay the price of the promise. It's the only way we can be made right with God. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Gospel City Church in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. The concept of offering a sacrifice as an act of worship might not compute in our minds nowadays. We don't often say, I'm heading to church to worship God today, so I better take a mid-sized animal with me to kill and roast. No, we don't often say that, do we? But in the ancient Middle East, even before God instituted the sacrificial system in the Law of Moses, sacrifices were common and expected. Some cultures practiced human sacrifices in hopes of appeasing the anger of their gods. On the surface, it seemed to Abraham that God was asking for a human sacrifice when he told him to offer up his only son, Isaac. But as Trent Griffith explains today, there was a lot more going on, and Abraham trusted that God's plan was a good one. We're about to review some of what we heard last week on Resonate, and then Pastor Trent will finish his message. Here's Trent Griffith. God is about to give Abraham a test. There are four questions on the test, and we're going to see those four questions here. And he said to him, Abraham... So he says, Abraham says, here I am. In other words, I'm available, I'm listening, and I am ready for the test. Now, as we walk through this passage, understand this is not just a story about Abraham. This is a story about you. Here I am. I am listening. I have showed up for the test. What are you trying to teach me? I want to pass the test. The first test question is, do you love anything more than God? This is an idolatry test to see if Abraham loved God more than he loved Isaac. And God may test you about something that you love. Can I ask you, what do you love? Well, what are your top five loves? God wants all of those loves on the altar. God wants to know who comes first. Here's the second question on the test that God gave Abraham, and it's a question for us as well. Will you worship God even when you don't know what He is doing? Look at verse 4. And on the third day, it was a three-day journey to this place, Mount Moriah. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. 
Abraham is about to surrender the thing that he values most. Worship is something that you bring to God. Worship involves offering yourself and your will and your loves to God and worship is costly. Our whole life is an act of worship. And it is in every moment, every day, putting everything on the altar and saying, God, you are worth more. The word worship comes from the word worth. I'm giving you something that is worth everything. God wants it all. And he wants it all on the altar. Now, there's an interesting thing going on here too. Um, Look here at the last part of verse five. Abraham and Isaac go to the place of worship. But before he goes, he turns to his two servants and says, guys, we're coming back. Not I'm coming back. We're coming back. So God made the promise. God killed the promise. And God is able to resurrect the promise. And so the third question on the test is this. Do you believe that God will provide? Abraham has to pass this test. Look at verse 6. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. Now, just stop right here. We don't know how, how old Isaac is. He's probably an adult at this point. And he is strapping on his back the wood that will become the tool of his own execution. He laid it on Isaac's back and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. Verse 7. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, uh, fire. Check. Wood. Check. Where's the lamb? Where's the lamb for the burnt offering? A legitimate question. Legitimate question, yes or no? I want to suggest to you the question, where is the lamb? Is the most epic question in the Bible. And it's a test for Abraham to see whether or not he believes God will provide. Let's find the answer to the question. Next verse, verse 8. Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So they both went together. Question, where's the lamb? Answer, God will provide. Pass or fail? Pass. Do you believe that God will provide? And remember, God is testing us. Can I ask you the question? Do you believe that God will provide? I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what God's asking. Is there something you are refusing to lay on the altar because you think, I can't live without this? Do you believe God will provide? Do you believe that God will provide something better if he asks you to surrender something? Yes or no? Some of us are holding on to things that we refuse to surrender to God because we don't believe God can provide anything better than what he's asking you to sacrifice. Pass or fail. 
Do you believe God will provide? I said this question is the most important question in the Bible. Where is the lamb? Why do we even have sacrifice in this story? What is the significance about death and a son dying? And if not a son, a a lamb, what what is all this? Well, we understand anytime you read in scripture, the story of death, it's the story of sin. We're only 22 chapters into the Bible, but we've already found out that when someone sins, death is the price. The price of death is sin. Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. God said, in the day that you sin, you will surely die. And from that point, there's been a death spiral happening here in the book of Genesis. The price of sin is death. And God requires the price to be paid by death. And so Abraham and Isaac knew this concept and they knew something's got to die. Abraham's wondering, why God does my son have to die in order for the price of sin to be paid? And so Isaac asked the question, where's the lamb? Did you know that you can't even become a Christian until you ask that question? Like, where's the lamb? Listen, not literally those three words, but what was Isaac asking? Where is the sacrifice for sin? Who's going to pay the price for sin? Where is the lamb? Most people never even have a concept that there needs to be a sacrifice because they don't think their sin is that bad. They don't think that sin deserves death. Therefore, they never ask the question, who's going to pay the price for my sin? Where's the lamb? They don't ask the question. Last weekend, we were not with you. Andrea and I were in Phoenix, Arizona. We were leading a weekend to remember marriage conference out there with 700 married couples. It was a really great conference. God did a cool work. At the end of those three days, we needed to get to the airport. So I called an Uber driver and Uber driver shows up and and we get in the car for about the 10 minute ride to the airport. And our Uber driver was uber sanguine and uber talkative. And um, he just really talked and talked and talked about the only thing he said during the whole trip was, what do you do? Do you really want to (laughs) know? And so I told him, I'm a pastor of a church. We're out here teaching biblical uh, principles for marriages. And um, that prompted him to talk even more. And so he told me that he was of the Baha'i faith. Are you familiar with the Baha'i faith? And he wanted him to explain what that meant. He said, now for me as a Baha'i, what I've done is I've studied all the major religions and, uh, and uh, we, we've, they just kind of all melt into our Baha'i faith. And we just kind of take the best parts about them all and kind of create our own thing there. And, and he's just like, it's just really great. Just wonderful world peace and everything. And, and uh, he said, what, what I've discovered is that all of the major religions have one principle that's common to all of them. He said, it's the golden rule. And the golden rule, of course, is um, treat others as you would want them to treat you. And so he said, that's the principle that's found in all of these common, uh, in all of these religions. And so that's what I try to do. And I just treat others as I want to be treated. And so that is the way that I relate to God. And he was so happy and so relaxed. and, And I just, about that time we got to the airport and didn't really have a chance. But I, here's what I wanted to say. Um, 
where's the lamb in that? What, what do you mean where's the lamb? You see, here's the problem. Who pays the price when you don't treat others the way you want to be treated? Because during this whole 10 minute trip, you have not been treating me the way I want to be treated. You've been talking the whole time, driving me crazy, and I want you to be quiet so I can talk. So now we have sin in the Uber cab. The question is, who pays the price? And of all of the major world religions, there's only one that provides the lamb. Did you know that this story is found in the Quran? Father Abraham is the father to three great faith systems, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. But why is it that we as Christians read this thing through a whole different lens? Do you know the way that Islam reads this passage? Absolute submission to God. No matter how crazy God asks you to do things, you just got to do it and you got to do it perfectly. The problem is nobody ever has. So who pays the price? Where is the lamb? They don't seem to understand this whole story is a prequel. You know what a prequel is? Star Wars fans know what a prequel is, right? <laughs> Woke up that morning and you realized that you thought episode one was episode one. You found out episode one is episode four. And episode one now is way back over here. And that gives a whole nother understanding to episodes one through three. Won't even mention seven. So anyway, all of this stuff is a prequel to help us understanding a preview of coming attractions 2,000 years later. We understand where the lamb is and we know his name. Do you believe that God has provided something you could never provide for yourself? Where is the lamb? And Abraham didn't know exactly, but God did. And that's why he said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. Here's the final question. Do you see the significance of the substitute? Look at verse 9. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Now again, we don't know how old Abraham or how old Abraham and Isaac are at this point. But even if Isaac is 12, I think he could have taken Abraham. All right, he's 112. So what we see in this verse is not only does Abraham pass the test, Isaac passes the tests. He offers himself willingly to be bound by his father. He lays himself down on the wood as an offering. He must have known I don't know how I'm getting out of this life, but I'm trusting my father who believes God will provide the lamb. Then verse 10, then Abraham reached out his hand and he took the knife to slaughter his son. Verse 11, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, 
Abraham. Yes, Lord, I've been waiting. Um, you know, God is never in a hurry and he is never late. He's always right on time. And so God answers and Abraham says, here I am. I, I, I've been waiting for you to provide a solution to this so that my son gets out of this alive. So verse 12, he said, do not lay your hand on that boy and do not do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Verse 13, Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and looked and he took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. Do you understand the significance of what is happening here? This is an epic story that's telling the story of Jesus. Like Isaac, Jesus is God's only son whom Father God loves, and yet he offered him up. Do you know where this is happening? Do you understand the, the epic significance of this spot on earth? It was Moriah, Mount Moriah. We're told in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 that one day Solomon built a temple to the Lord on Mount Moriah. The name Moriah was later changed to the name Jerusalem. In that temple, there were thousands of lambs slaughtered through the centuries. Again, as a prequel to what one day would happen, 2,000 years later, Jesus would one day enter Jerusalem. He would be arrested. He would be flogged. They would put a crown of thorns upon his head. They would give him a cross of wood to carry to the place of sacrifice. He would be bound. They would lay him on the wood. And there in that moment, Father God would slaughter his son, his only son, the son that he loved to pay the price of the promise. Do you see the significance of this substitute? Look at verse 13. Abraham lifted up his eyes. Now, can you imagine Abraham there? He is so focused on Isaac and offering up Isaac. He's got the fire. He's got the wood. He's got the knife. He's got his eyes on his son. In that moment, when he heard God call his name, he lifts his eyes off of what he is sacrificing onto what God has provided. And the next word in the verse is behold. Now we've learned that's a significant word. Every time you see the word behold, it's like you are not going to believe what is about to happen. But you need to believe what's about to happen. See, it says behold. One day over in the New Testament, in John chapter 1, John the Baptist was with Two of his disciples, it tells us. How many servants did Abraham have? Two. John was with two of his disciples. And Jesus walked by. And he nudged them. 
and said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And so Abraham lifted up his eyes and behold, the next thing it says is behind him, not in front of him. Behind him, there was a ram caught in a thicket. So Abraham physically has to turn from the sacrifice he is making toward the sacrifice that God wants. He physically has to turn his back. It's a picture of repentance. You have to turn your back on what you love and move toward what God loves. Then it says he went to him. He physically had to travel. And he took the ram. You have to embrace it for yourself. And you have to bring to God, to the altar, what God has provided for himself to pay the price for sin. The price of the promise is paid not by sacrificing your son, Abraham. It's paid by sacrificing my son, Jesus. Does that move you? Can I ask you this? Have you tried to offer to God sacrifices of good works, religion, church going? My mother's a Christian. I live in America. I've never killed anyone. I'm better than most. That's not the sacrifice God wants. You have to lift up your eyes. You have to behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world is found in Jesus Christ. You have to physically turn your back and move toward Him. Take Him and offer Him to God, the one alone who can pay the price of the promise. It's the only way we can be made right with God. Look down at verse 17. He says, I will surely bless you. And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and as the sand that's on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. One day Jesus looked at his disciples and said, on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. If Abraham could have been there on the day that Jesus died with his back strapped to that wood on the cross, do you know what Abraham would have said? He would have said to God, now I know. Now I know that you love me. In verse 12, God says to Abraham, now I know that you love me. You fear me. You worship me because you did not withhold your son. If Abraham could have been there on Mount Calvary, Abraham would have said to God, now I know. Now I know you love me because you did not withhold your son from me. You never have to question whether or not God loves you again. You never have to question whether or not you've done enough or if you've sinned too much because God has not withheld his son from us. Now I know that you love me. Now I know I can be in relationship with you. I can have a new start, a fresh beginning, because all my sin has been paid for. The promise has been made. The price of the promise has been paid. Not by my offering, but by God's offering. Is there anything that you love more than God? Is that what's keeping you from right relationship with God? 
Can you worship not knowing everything that God is doing? Do you see the significance of the substitute? Do you believe God has provided for himself that which you could never provide through Christ? The reason why some of us are not in right relationship with God is because we refuse to lay on the altar that which God requires because we love it too much. This morning, would you release that to God? Would you lay that on the altar? Would you lift up your eyes? Would you physically turn and look at what's behind you and make it in front of you? Take Jesus Christ as the greatest treasure, the only payment for your sin. Offer that to God. Now I know that God loves me because He did not withhold His own Son. And I want to love Him and serve Him and obey Him and worship Him as my highest treasure. Just tell Him that. Lord, I pray that you would press upon our hearts the epic significance of your love for us. You treasured us so much. You gave your only son. And with him, you will give us all things. God, wherever we're resisting, wherever we're holding back, I pray that you would warm our hearts to see the love that you have for your son, Christ that you paid for the promise and in fresh new ways we would offer our lives to you as a living sacrifice which is our spiritual worship we pray in Jesus name Amen Every act of worship involves some kind of sacrifice and praise God for providing Jesus the perfect lamb as our substitute Trent Griffith from Gospel City Church has been reminding us that God proves His love by paying the price of the promise. Through your love and through the ram, you saved the son of Abraham. And by the power of your hand, turn the sea into dry land, and to the outcast on her knees, you were the Gospel City is a church in Granger, Indiana, with a second campus in Elkhart County. And if you'd like to visit us for a worship service, just look us up at mygospelcity.org. There's information about where we're located, when we meet, and so on. Again, that's mygospelcity.org. And be sure to follow us on Facebook by searching for Gospel City Church. So we're tracking this promise of God through the epic narrative of the Bible. And so far we've seen the promise made in the opening chapters of the Bible, the prayer of promise as Abraham interceded for the city of Sodom. And today we saw the price of promise as he was asked to kill that promise and God beautifully provided a substitute. And next week, the path of promise. We'll learn how the descendants of Abraham had to take a detour, a detour to Egypt. 
you won't want to miss next week's edition of Resonate. Well, thanks for listening today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and my prayer is that God's Word would truly resonate in your heart and in your life this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a radio and podcast ministry of Gospel City Church. Visit us online at mygospelcity.org.